Is that what these do, maybe? I don't know. Who's to say? Okay. Well, we'll worry about that another day, but welcome to this week's episode of the Reflections Podcast. I'm your host, Rem Michelle, and today I have with me one of the most interesting people that I've ever met in my life. Um, she knows a lot. No. What do you say? She knows a little about a lot. a little about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and that is so true. Um, her name is Jessie Leanne and she is just one of the funniest people that I've ever met. And, <laughs> you know, I always, I, I love that so much. I feel like such an ass if I'm like, I'm funny. Cause it's like, it's like that part of Mean Girls where she's like, so you're like really pretty. Yeah. So you agree. You th yeah. You think you're really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> so when I hear other people unprovoked say it, I'm like, oh, I am oh, funny. I really I am, am funny. <laughs> you like me. You really like me. You get what I'm doing here. Yes, exactly. So, um, I thought it would be really fun for you guys to meet Jessie and get to know her on a level, maybe similar to how I know her. Oh, um, God. So do you want to introduce yourself? Is that awkward or? No, I'd, I've done it my whole life. I think I, I think I got it down pat. I'm Jessie Leanne um, and I am a human and I'm living out this experience. And I met this lady named Wren, who's also living this human experience. And it was just a really, a really good moment in my life. And so many great things have happened ever since. I'm really excited. But. Yeah, I am 30 years old. <laughs> Thank you. Just a minute. Think and, about that. Ooh, I was not. I was like, do I want to announce that? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm 30 years old and live here in the in the greater Nashville area, we'll call it. That's all you need to know about my location. Don't be creeping on me. But I, I think I creep on me enough for anyone else. But yeah, basically, I grew up here just south of Nashville, and when I turned 23, I went from, like, taking two plane trips to traveling the world and, and talking to people for a living, and I was not not the kind of person that would, that would like to talk to people, but I became really good at it. I was using the tricks that I learned growing up and, like, making people laugh. I had never been like on a stage like that before. And I was like, if I can just cut the tension in this room. And that's what I used to do when I was a kid. I would cut tension by making people laugh. So I like to make people laugh. I'm a funny gal. Yes. She's so good at it. <laughs> so I'm so excited to have you here today. And maybe we'll start just a little bit of a backstory of how we even know each other. Um, as you guys know, that have listened to a couple of episodes None of this is planned. We're very real and raw and just kind of have real conversations and hit record. So there's not like a list of questions. It's not like a professional interview. If that's more your jam, you ain't gonna find it here. So <laughs> whose just, jam is that though? I mean, really, I who wants to sit and listen to that? Some have a people, little fun. I mean, maybe if you have like an agenda and people want to know specific things, that would be good, but just <clears throat> Google that. Like, for my vision for this podcast is just so you guys can feel like you're in the room with us and just like eavesdropping on our conversation, which is the most fun thing to do on the planet. Yes. Just listen to other people's conversation and then get all up in the mix. So 
that's the vibe that's what got me started with podcasts i would like I, this meme like did it perfect. It was like a picture of this kid sitting watching TV like real close up, and he's like me having the internal conversation in my head with with the podcast that I'm listening to. I'm like, yeah, actually, this 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 and this. But yeah, so that's what I want you guys to just feel like you're here with us in this conversation. Um, yeah, so that's the goal. So Jesse and I met each other maybe six months ago. July, June? Maybe. Um, I don't know. It, don't it know. has not been long, but it feels like it's been a lifetime. Yeah. Um, so Jesse started out as one of my coaching clients and quickly became one of my closest friends. We have so much in common and we see the world differently than most people, I think. And there'll be things that'll happen and we just get it. Like yeah. things aren't crazy to us or weird, or it's just a very different level of connection than I have with, with most females or males in general, but it's just kind of this level of understanding is like, we realize that there's more to this entire matrix than what yeah. you can actually see and experience. So we are really good on that level. And I think we complement each other really well because we can both kind of see behind the curtain of things that the other one is maybe not looking in that direction. Yes. Is maybe a good way to put it. We're both looking. I wouldn't say that we're looking deep in a, in a, in a different direction, but we're both seeing things in a different direction and we're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what and that it's is. like, Hey, look over there. Look over <laughs> yes. there at that. Squirrel. And in like most of our just like daily conversations, like one or the other of us can say things in a way that the other one is like, Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Like I've never thought about it that way. And to me, those are the relationships that I want to have in my life because I want to learn things from other people and see things from, you know, just a different perspective. So I really, I really like that about yeah. us. And I think you've probably been one of the things that I noticed that's super similar about both of us is that we are searchers as people call them. Like we want to, yeah. when we see something, we don't just take it as face value. Or if we see someone who is feeling a certain type of way, we understand that it's not just like if, if someone is in traffic and they're pissed off because someone just cut them off and they just go postal and just flip the fuck out. We know that it's not necessary. It's not that person <laughs> that right. it's not that person that pulled out in front of them. It's, it's, you know, a million underlying things or, or, you know, the way that the world has been to that person or the way that yeah. the way that they're perceiving it, it all kind of factors in there. But when you peel back the curtain on those things, you kind of see that I always say this, it's so stupid that, that everyone is good. Um, and everyone is just dealing with a, a toolbox of all to their own. They're, they're yeah. doing the best they can with, with the tools that they have. And I think that one of the things that's really similar between both of us is we can see like, Oh, you're, you're pulling out the, the metaphorical screwdriver here to try and fix this, but you don't need a screwdriver. You need a hammer and you need to tear that fucking wall down. Yeah. <laughs> I also have 
horrendous language. I have a, the worst potty mouth you're ever going to hear <laughs> in your whole life. I was never censored as a child. Uh, I'm still a child of God. We all are. <laughs> but um, I, I struggle to censor it. So sorry if you in the future get a really big ad deal. You can just bleep out all these F-bombs. And <laughs> it's perfect. You'll have three words left <laughs> from Jesse. <laughs> We clicked the explicit at the beginning on purpose. So Perfect. if the language bothers you, sorry about it. I'm sorry. What were we talking about though? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I have no idea. Obviously this is not scripted. Um, so what the whole purpose of this podcast even is, um, reflections is all about looking back, Noticing times in your life where it seemed like everything was against you and you getting through that and then being able to reflect on that instance or circumstance and realize how had that not happened, you wouldn't be who you are or where you are today. So if you want to share. A oh, my gosh. I was about to say it's it's funny because uh, I think you'll you'll realize quickly with me or I think that you did realize probably pretty easy on in coaching is that I up until just a few months ago believed that the the whole world was against me for everything I'm like no because they're they're gonna do this and then this is gonna happen and and nothing ever works out because people are always trying to I wouldn't say paranoid but like um I my dad was a four-time felon insane guy my favorite person in the whole entire world the funniest guy you'll ever meet but you know people who and my mom was also they they grew up in a really really rough area and they grew up in a in a sort of really rough way and you know you try to instill the things I think as I realize as an adult you try to instill the things in your kid that you think are going to protect them so I was born to like be tough and have this guard up and and I think you probably noticed that (laughs) that with me very quickly just just a little bit oh i was ready just like if anyone tries it i've got x y and z for you (laughs) like but um no so what drove me into the studio actually is pretty insane um i you know like i said i was traveling like crazy like 85 percent. i'd be home for three days enough time to like throw a load of clothes in and then head back out on the road. After that COVID happened, of course. So I went from traveling and this is not just, it started out just domestic travel all across the U S it quickly progressed from there to international travel, um, travel to the Philippines quite a bit. And I love the Philippines so much. I love all my friends there. I have like a, a family down there sort of. And But what happened there was, as I was running so fast, um, I didn't realize right before COVID hit that, that when you're not sitting in the moment and enjoying things, they just kind of pass you by. And I had felt like I blinked and like seven, oh my God, (laughs) seven years at best. Jesus Christ. I came home, (laughs) all my friends are getting married and pregnant and I'm just like, yeah, who wants to go out this weekend? (laughs) <laughs> where are we going? Are we going to go? We're going to go out to Tin Roof. We're going to go over to, uh, you know, wherever the fuck we're going. Um, but I quickly realized that 
life had continued on in different ways. And it put me in this sort of like existential crisis that I had sat and worked out for a year <laughs> sitting in my house. And that's when I really um, started to like think on what I want to do and my passion. And my passion had always been making people laugh really, but I didn't think that I didn't think that that was something that would happen for me because of the way that I grew up. I, you know, my dad always seemed very down on his luck. Really, he was uh, causing a lot of that <laughs> for himself, but um, it was just sort of instilled in me, like, don't, you know, everyone's dreams don't come true. But, but then I started to realize in COVID, like, I've got to start getting this together. So then I, I sat for probably another year thinking on like, okay, how do I want to do this? What do I want to do? Um, I'm, I've been obsessed with podcasts and, and comedy podcasts for forever. My dad got me into them and my dad would just listen to comedy when I was a kid. He would listen, you know, I would listen to like George Carlin, Richard Pryor as like a six, seven year old, super uncensored house. But, um, I always had this real passion for it and it was always my goal to, to try and sneak a laugh in or like surprise someone with a joke out of nowhere and make them laugh. And it has been my favorite thing to do my entire life. Uh, but I didn't think that it was something that I could actually do. Um, still working out the plan for that. But anyways, I say, I say all that to, to say that then once things start pepping back up, my mom, who I was estranged from, got really sick with cancer. And I moved into her house to help take care of her while she was sick. And she eventually passed. And then six months later, my dad passed. Whew, I'm not going to cry. You can but, cry. You know the oh motto. God. Feel it to heal it. <sighs> I like to hold my emotions so deep inside. <laughs> I mean, you think? Most people Death do. Bottom. But um, then my dad passed away and, and it was just uh, for a while there, I sort of started to feel again like, like it was like I was stupid for even thinking, you know that something could happen because something crazy is always going to happen with my family. Um, something's always going to pop up and I'm not, this, this is not the life for me. But what I quickly realized after that is that that's not the case. <laughs> and when, when you're, when you're doing what you love, I think, I think you can do anything that you want. But anyway, so I was very lost, of course, after all that happened. Uh, and I'll save it for, a later day to get into the nitty gritty details of all that. It, it goes a little deeper <laughs> as we, as we know, maybe one day, if you guys like me, I'll come back and tell the rest of the story. But, uh, I was really, really lost after that. I, I felt it was with my mom being sick. You know, she was, she was diagnosed with something we knew it was coming. My dad had been sick forever, but he had always like made it through. Um, and he, he didn't have like cancer like my mom did. Um, but my dad, his death was very sudden, very unexpected and it really rocked me. Um, I spent, I think I probably spent like three months in the bed still listening to those podcasts that I loved and just, you know, on autopilot, I was on like these antidepressants that made me feel like a robot and made me want to not only sit in the bed, but sit in the bed and eat. <laughs> <laughs> which is not the best thing to do, but we're not there now. Look, 
I'm happy. <laughs> happy now. This this gets happier. I'm not, I'm not the the saddest sack in the world, but yeah. So eventually, I went with a really good friend of mine, Michaela, to the studio to see Ren, who I met there. Um, and after the first session, she just like looked at me. She's like. I don't know. I don't know how deep. I know you've talked a little bit, but I, do you want to be woo-woo outed on here or no? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> As our lights just turned down. I was like, so. I, I don't. The 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 if, lights went down. If you're watching. This, oh wow, the lights are like flickering to, right yeah, now. Somebody's giving us a vibe. If you believe in the woo-woo, <laughs> side note, my dad has been in this room before. His spirit, people have sensed his spirit in this room before, so he might be just saying hello and for me to put some damn respect on his name. Well, I'd like for somebody he to was, turn the lights back on. <laughs> Maybe I should like come back and correct dad if you're here. Um, Turn the light he was back so on. much more than just uh, just a, f- <laughs> a felon and a drug addict. He's also the funniest person in the whole entire world um, and my favorite person. Please don't mess with the lights again. But anyway, so yeah, so the first day I got here and I don't I didn't know this girl from Adam. I didn't and I've I've lived here forever, but I was never here for the biggest chunk of my adult years. So I didn't know a whole lot of people around and you had sort of moved around a bit, but I didn't know who you were. And she came up to me and she's like, um, this guy kept really like, I was trying to continue with the the session and he kept, he's like, get over here. You need to tell her she's safe. And I was like, <laughs> um, she's you? like, is it like your dad? And I was like, how do you know my dad is dead? <laughs> I was like, how does she know this? Did she creep on me? No, she didn't. She, she had no idea who I was. And um, she just sensed him. And, and, you know, it's if you don't believe in that sort of thing, then that's your path. But that's not my path. And I, and I definitely believe in that sort of thing. There's There's been so much proof that for me, like when you experience death like that, it's, it's a very spiritual experience. Um, and you start to see things, not literally see things. Um, but, but when you see someone going through that process, you realize it sort of peels back a layer between, between the two worlds, if you will. Um, and you start to see that there's so much more, but it's something that, that has never been a foreign concept to me. So I knew what she was talking about when she said that. And it sort of didn't scare me, but I was like, oh my gosh. Well, I think yeah. because you didn't come for that and yeah. you weren't expecting that to happen. Yes. And I mean, obviously neither was I, but sometimes I'll get messages or see things or feel things or sense things. And if I can judge if the person's open to at least hearing it or not, I will give them the message. I used to just give anybody any message and learned really quick not to do that anymore. <laughs> Um, and I don't know that Jesse necessarily was a hundred percent open to hear anything that night. I mean, if she was, it was because she didn't expect that she would hear anything. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like if she had known that anything like that would happen, I think you'd be like even more closed off than you were. I probably wouldn't have showed up. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> probably wouldn't have been here because I was like, Ooh, not these demons in my, that are, yeah. that are hanging around behind me. I, <laughs> I, I've hung around a rough and rowdy, very fun crowd my whole life, but uh, rip in peace to, to the good ones. But uh, no, I, it wasn't a foreign con. I've always been into, uh, I would say more spiritual things. 
So, and it's something that in the midst of all that, I had just like dropped and put down. I was like, I don't want to fuck with any of this. I don't want to see this anymore. Like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, but something drew me back. And then I got here. And when she said that, I was just like, oh my God. And then she came back. And then I came back. And, and then I came back here again ever and again. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, and I, I hadn't for so long. I used to meditate like years before that, you know, I would meditate and I would take time to be mindful, but I spend so much time in my own head. Uh, even still to this day, that's something that I work on. I think that's the continual condition for me, but, um, I felt so much more relieved after, after the session. Um, and when she said that, I was like, oh my gosh, the other crazy thing was, is that like, I did like in that, in that meditation, in that sound meditation, I was coming back to this core, this core wound of me, I guess, not feeling safe my whole life or being in unsafe experiences. And when she said that, I was like, I knew, you know, I was like, what the heck? <laughs> she was inside my brain. I do so much work to keep people out of there. <laughs> so I was like, there's something to this. Let me, let me come back here. But I, I started feeling so good. And, and then she started working on me and I am not by any means. I'm very friendly, very open. I'm not the easiest to work on with my dad. Again, probably ties back to my dad, like with the crime thing. I, I don't like a whole lot of authority in my life. <laughs> <laughs> of any sort I'm the type of person that's like if you'll if you'll be like hey could you do this for me I'll do that times a thousand but if it's like you need to do this which is something that probably typically happens like if you're like getting a channeled message I'll be like I'm not doing that <laughs> or if you're paying somebody <laughs> as a life coach to help you yes and I'm like you need to do xyz and I'll be like yeah, she would give me a look, but then she would always do everything that I suggested. And it was like quantum jumps. Yes. And I think that's why you ended up doing it because after the first round of things, I was like, okay, try this and this and this. Within like seven days, you were a different person. Yes. So then the next time I'm like, okay, this and this and this. And you're like, I don't do that. No. Oh. But then you did it because yes. you already saw the results yes. from the last, you know, yes. suggestions. So yeah, I don't know. I'm sure I've told you this before, but I'm so proud of you. Like you're, oh my you have put in the work and it makes it so much easier for me to be a coach of people who are coachable rather than people who admit that they need help. And then they don't want to put in the work to get themselves to a higher level. That just pisses me off. Oh, <laughs> so that one. I'm not the coach for all because I will literally call you out on your shit. And if you get your feelings hurt real easy, I'm also not the one for you. But I feel like the people who work with me in coaching come out on the other side, like as much of a badass as they could. Like it's just embodied badassery. Yes. I, <laughs> I don't know uh, if that's a word, but I'm trademarking that. Embodied badassery. <laughs> I'd wear a shirt with that on it. Yeah. <laughs> I would. Perfect. I work in marketing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. should probably know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I ever really thought of it that way. And I think also a big part of my issues was, was not like 
no, not necessarily I, I knew I, f- number one, I think I was in such a spot where I was like, anything is going to be fucking better than this. This is not sustainable. I feel like I'm living in the wrong twilight zone right now. I've went to the, to somewhere that things aren't making the math ain't math and over where I was. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm also the kind of person that like, I think my whole life I'm very forthcoming about my issues. <laughs> Sometimes I think to the point where people are like, Oh, or, but I make, I have a, a dark sense of humor from time to time and I'll make really dark jokes about things. And then I quickly realize I'm like, Oh, I shouldn't, but I've always been a really sort of self deprecating kind of person. So it wouldn't be, um, out of the ordinary for, for me to not be thick skinned about things that I need to work on. I'm, I'm a very a person who's pretty open to feedback. I, I get triggered. You know, that's a big word these days. I get triggered by a couple things, but we all do. We all have our triggers. Those are the things that you see um, when people get upset or get angry. It's usually a trigger, but such a, a big word these days, triggered. I, th- I feel like people misuse it, but they're, you know, they're b- different people do have their different triggers. Um, and I think me needing to work on myself is something that never triggered me because I've always felt like... <laughs> I needed to work on myself. But one thing that you made me realize pretty quickly is like, everything is not your fucking fault. (laughs) You know? And I think another thing is is too, that like a lot of times what people think are their issues are not really their issues. They're symptoms of the issue. It's a different issue. Yeah. Yeah. Or there'll be like a tiny symptom from, I always believe that, you just your adulthood is to like learn the correct way to do things that you didn't learn to do right in your in your childhood (laughs) and you you spend a lot of time recovering from those things and one of the things that you said I was like I think I forget what we were talking about but it was something like um like how how do you know how do people just get over and get through these things and you're like most people never do and I was like shit you're right they just bury and then (laughs) act like everything is fine and then have a massive heart attack or stroke or end up with cancer or a million other things that you know build up inside your body Ooh, triggered no i'm just kidding i'm just (laughs) kidding i shouldn't joke about my dead parents i'm not gonna do that i had a question or just something that came to my mind when you were talking about after your dad died and you were just like laying in bed and listening to all these different podcasts. So, you know, they say like laughter is the best medicine. Oh yeah. Do you believe that? Oh yeah. That's been before I wanted to really work on myself, the biggest surface level stuff that I would do because my friends would come to me for advice and stuff and I would seem very put together, but it's because I make people laugh laughter. If you can, you can laugh at something, then it sort of takes a little bit of that seriousness out of it, you yeah. know, because nothing is serious unless unless you want it to be. Things are as serious as you believe that they are. Um, but yeah, the the biggest keystone for me to like know if if I am healing from something is if I can laugh at it. If I if I can't make a joke about it or if I can't talk about it without crying, if I can't find something funny in there then I still need to work on it a little bit more but it's it's a very healing thing laughter and a very healing thing 
um, for comedy and, and you'll find a, a common thread through humor and whether it be stand up, whether it be improv is, is relatability and authenticity. And it's, it's finding the funny in the shit a lot of yeah. times or like finding, finding the, the funny in, in the meaning or lack of meaning in things. Yes. And you have, I don't know. I think it's an interesting take on the whole comedic world. And I'm not, I was never a big comedian person. Like, Oh, I'm like sitting here. I'm like, Oh, you gotta, you gotta listen to this one. This is really yeah. funny. And this, I'm like, this bit made me think of you. This is, <laughs> you know how hard it is for me to actually laugh out loud. Like you're so serious. I don't sometimes. think a lot of stuff is funny. <laughs> so I'm like, this is stupid. Like, I'm just like, so trying to make sense of it. And I'm like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Very Capricorn. Yeah. Very Capricorn yeah. there. <laughs> and there's only, I can, on one hand, maybe like three people that can actually make me laugh out loud that are professional comedians that I've seen at like Zany's or the Laugh Factory or somewhere. And so Jesse's like, oh, I want to be a comedian. Like, she's telling me all this stuff. And I was like, I don't get it. I don't really get it. But so her perspective on what comedians try to do. I had never looked at it that way. And I was like, that's really interesting. So you could share yeah. that in case anybody else is yeah. like me and has no fucking clue. Laughter is, is healing. It's healing for a lot of people. And I think, well, number, if you take a look at a lot of comedians lives, they I almost don't even want to get super into it. You can, there's so much stuff that you can look up on it, but it's like the ethos and pathos, the comedy and the tragedy. Um, a lot of, a lot of people who end up being really funny or a lot of people who do comedy for a living or just funny people in general um, have usually been through some shit. Uh, and it's, it's a means of healing laughter. I don't, I don't know. She would know a lot more about sounds and frequencies. I'd be interested to see like what laughter does, but I know it shakes like your gut, like a, like a belly laugh. Um, it's a very healing thing, but, I think a big thing people are looking for in the world too is community and people will go up there and listen to a comedian talk about, you know, whatever happened or, or even the darker things that happened in their lives or just what happened when they were at the airport or, you know, whatever they were doing. But it's, they're telling these, these truths or these, these situations that are relatable to other people. Um, and, making it in a way that that someone can laugh at it and maybe you have been in a similar situation yourself and couldn't find that humor in it and hearing something like that is going to help you to heal from it as well but even if you haven't experienced it yourself even just laughing and getting your mood lifted is is such a healing thing really big um really big component of like mental health and stuff but i think that i think that Laughter is a very, very healing thing. And I think that humor is the biggest part of my healing process, but it's, it can be a very powerful tool in healing for people. Um, sometimes oh, when I was a kid, like eat like the, the worst, the craziest shit we lived in. Um, we were very, very poor when I was a kid. Um, and if like something bad would happen, like, me, I didn't realize we were poor at first. And there was the, there were, there's crackheads that lived 
that lived right next to us. And uh, this lady came up to me and I'm like, I got my brand new candy pink because while my dad was um, a felon and a criminal, he also, as a result of those activities, had a lot of expendable cash income. (laughs) So I always had a really nice bike. Um, But I lived with my mom and my mom wouldn't let me bring the bike in the house. And I had to leave it outside. My first bike got stolen. My dad's pissed. He's like, oh, what the the fuck? Let her bring the damn bike inside. And uh, she's like, Jimmy, she's not going to get those dirt tracks all over my carpet. And he's like, yeah, like you're staying at the fucking Ritz Carlton over here. You're in the <laughs> middle of the damn hood. What do you give a fuck about these carpets? <laughs> but I think that just pissed my mom off so bad. But but he was like making a joke there, trying to make it funny. Um, But then he was like, my dad looked at me and he was like, on the plus side, you won't have to worry about, uh, I forget what he did. It was really funny though, but it was, it was really funny. I can't, I can't even remember exactly what he said, but it's one of those first moments that I remember as a kid that, uh, there was a really shitty situation. I was really upset and my dad just made me laugh and it instantly made me feel better. And you start to pick up on those things. I ended up, the neighbor then was like your mom said that I could borrow your bike to go down the store. So I'm like literally walking up thinking about rainbows and unicorns, just heading back up to my house. This lady's like, yeah, your mom said I could, I could use your bike and ride down to Johnny's. It's the store down from the, from the neighborhood. And I was like, okay. After, (laughs) after my first bike had gotten stolen. Oh my God. And then I get home (laughs) or I, I don't get home. My mom gets home from work. She's like, where's your bike? And I was like, you told uh, Melissa over here that she could borrow it. And she was like, that's a crackhead. What do you do? Oh, my God. So and I was she like, I don't bike know. Too? Yeah, she, that bike didn't come back. Oh I think she probably God. sold the first one, too. Yeah, the worst, worst luck. So worst. then third bike. First bike was yellow. Second bike was pink. Third bike was not only a six-speed. It was a seven-speed. Shout out to Dad. Thanks, Jimmy Graham. Um, it was a seven-speed. It was a mongoose candy painted purple just like my boat will be one day um and i got a chain a candy purple chain you know those chains that had like the plastic around it to wrap around our deck and we lived in the trailer park of the of this hood so it was like the the shitty side of this trailer park i don't know why but for some odd reason the same thing she was worried about the carpets my mom had this gigantic deck built on our trailer park lot that's still there to this day. I'll have to show it to you one day. She like oh hand nailed uh, horseshoes <laughs> all around it. She yeah. was real extra, real Southern. Liked a lot of country stuff. So she had to put her little house shoes, but we had this big deck outside of our trailer. So what I would do is I would take that chain and just wrap it all around the spokes of those, of those stairs. And I'd be like, Oh, they ain't finna get this one. Try it again. I'd nod it like every which away. I was, I was only in Girl Scouts for like two weeks but that was a Girl Scout worthy knot that I made. And did it work? <laughs> we went to Walmart <laughs> later after that, after I put my bike up, uh, came back. And not only was the bike gone, but all of the spokes off of <laughs> all the spokes off of the freaking deck. So I just know that Melissa and Melissa was she was more my size of a woman. She was a, she was a large woman for a crackhead. Uh, and I just know that 
I shouldn't even say poor Melissa because that bitch sold my bike. But I just know wherever she was driving that to, whatever she needed that money for, she really needed that crack rock because the spokes were so stuck. They had to like just be hanging out the sides of the bike. And I was like, damn, if they want it that bad, then I guess they need it. But thinking back on it, it's like you don't realize how funny that is as a kid. But <laughs> but as an adult, it's funny. How am I going to get that many fucking bikes stolen? Eventually, then after that, you know what happened? What? I got to bring the bike in the house. I bet you did. <laughs> and where do you think Melissa's at today? Oh, I, I hope she, <laughs> I hope she's doing better for herself. I hope she's still alive. If not, then I hope she's not stealing eight-year-olds fucking bikes. Get your shit together, Melissa. If you're listening to this. <laughs> if you're listening to this, God bless you and I hope the best for you. Don't you be stealing no kids' bikes. Look, look at what happened to and me. And if you are listening to this and you'd like to make it up to her, you can send her PayPal too. I'm just kidding. Oh, just yeah. Kidding. PayPal, Jesse Leanne. Or Venmo. J-E-S-S-I-L-Y-A-N-N. Send her a Venmo for that bike. I'll buy a bike. Feel bad for me. Pay me money. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if only it were that easy, right? I mean. If only I could just like plead my case and be like, hey, I really feel like I should get... A million dollars right now internet no i'm just kidding i feel like poor melissa is probably no longer with us ah melissa probably not she had a i think crack was one of many issues that melissa had but i know it was crack because my dad also confirmed that it was crack and he knew well if anybody knew he knew um and then the people on the other side of us were the ones selling it so we were just kind of caught in the middle of that yeah story of my life i've been caught in the middle of so much bullshit <laughs> started with them crackheads you're doomed from the start oh lord they're gonna be like who what is this girl talking about <laughs> yeah if you're even still listening welcome <laughs> welcome to my world it's it's a little insane here but all the fun people are so fun yes okay well so do you feel like you are at a point in your life where you are grateful for the way that you grew up? Yes. And I'll tell you why in a funny way, but I'll, but I'll explain. Um, yes, because I know so many fucking assholes who <laughs> I, so I you really feel I have been, Oh, I'll tell you how I really feel. You'll be like, turn it down. Jesse, stop telling us how you feel. I have a lot of feelings about a lot of things. I feel about everything. I've the wells run deep for my emotions. Um, if I could just like, if even if I hadn't experienced it, I, I could sit there and, and hang on a feeling and, and wonder. But um, no, there are so many people that I know who didn't grow up in the way that I did. Um, and they struggle with, uh, oh my God, this is going to, I don't mean this in an arrogant way or, or anything, but but they struggle with, knowing the value of things, I think sometimes, and they struggle with, um, no, I shouldn't even put it as they. So I am very grateful for the things that I do have. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not poor no more. I've been delivered. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> I've been delivered. I am not poor no more. I'm out the hood. Uh, but no, I, I feel, I feel like I am so grateful for everything that I do have that, that can also run into a territory for me sometimes where I'm so desperately scared of losing the things that I have. Yeah. And we've done a lot of work through that. Um, but I'm, I'm very grateful for everything that I have and I'm willing to 
to put in a lot more work than some people that I know who hadn't had those same experiences. Um, not to say that it's better to grow up poor. It's not better to grow up anyway. We're again, all, all, uh, fixing things with the toolbox that we were given from, from our childhood. But I, I don't know. I think, I think that it gives me an appreciation for things so much more than on just like a base level, right? Like I'm, I'm grateful for stuff. And I've also, I've been working since I, I, I started babysitting when I was 14. Then from there, I started working concession stands at the, at the ballparks during little league and stuff, you know, running the fryers. And from there, I got a job at McDonald's, but I've been gainfully employed, I guess, since I was 15 years old, knock on wood. I've never, never not had a job since then. And boy, am I tired. Well, yeah. But <laughs> no, I'm, I'm willing. I'm a, I'm a, I've been told I've, again, it's like, I feel so arrogant to say it about yourself, but I've been told that I'm an extremely hard worker. Um, and I think that it also, I think I just burped into this microphone. <laughs> just releasing some energy. <laughs> You're totally welcome. Fun. If only they had smell a vision <laughs> because I had chicken nuggets and they were oh really good. Uh, but <laughs> no, I, I, I've noticed that I'm able to hang on for a lot longer <laughs> than other people sometimes when it when it comes to like waiting things out or, or putting in the work or working hard I have a hard time giving up on things if I really want them um and I have a lot of respect for the work that it takes to to get shit done whether it's at whatever restaurant that I'm eating at whether it's anywhere I have a lot of respect for um for the work that other people are putting in every day to try and get their stuff done. And it also, you know, overall, I think led me to have a great deal of empathy for most people because, you know, we're all just at the end of the day trying to, trying to make it, we're trying to yeah, figure out what all this means. Um, and it costs $0 not to be a dick. So I try- <laughs> It's free. That that hits my bottom line as a former poor. It uh, it really it really works for me. Yeah. Well, I tend to say a lot that your struggle is your street cred. And I feel like that makes a lot of sense for you because you can relate to a very wide variety of people. Oh yeah. Because you have been through a wide variety of circumstances and I think when you can learn to see that everything has happened in your life to get you to where you are. And you can look back at it and laugh at things like getting your bike stolen or that your dad was a felon or like all these other things that you lived in a trailer park with crackheads. Like if you can look back at it now and you think that it's funny, that's a whole other level of healed than looking back at things like that and feeling resentment or hate or like a victim. There's so many other ways that you could feel about your past and your childhood. So when you choose to own it and not make fun of it because you're like concealing some part of pain or you're, you know, hiding emotions by, by just making fun of it, by making light of it. Like, I don't think you do that. I think you're, you're past that point. And I think now you're looking back at it 
And it's literally funny to you because you're like, only, only me. Like this would definitely be how I would grow yeah. up. It was, I think, and I, I, it's from, from so young, I was, my mom was very, but I realized as I got older that my mom was super funny, but to me, she was very serious. And I think it's, I, so I look just like my dad. I think she was trying to double down and like stop it because I, I think she saw me catching on. Like my dad would tell a joke to calm me down and he'd be like, don't take everything so serious. And my mom would see that and she'd be like, oh, you ain't finna be out here slinging drugs. You better yeah. take life very fucking serious. This shit is real. And I was like, damn. But really, it just pushed me more into laughing at at that too, and then, yeah, and then I would sort of laugh at her over seriousness, and she didn't like that. But <laughs> I did. I still think it's funny. She probably thinks it's funny now. I'll laugh at it. What's she gonna do, anyways? Probably not. She probably, probably <laughs> no, does I'm not kidding. think it's funny now. But. <laughs> I don't know. I hope. I I don't know. I feel like in the afterlife, if there's not humor, then that's not my afterlife, oh, because definitely. I just. You got to be able to have a little bit of a laugh. Yeah. Everything is funny if you if you look at it that way. Cuz and the the funny for me funny is in relatability. Like it also is like when you're talking about like your embarrassing moments in life. Like so many other people have had those embarrassing moments. Yeah. So many or if they haven't then they then they've been humiliated. It's you're not alone in in that feeling. And and it's so funny. The funniest part is that we all know that that these are normal things that we're going through, and we shouldn't have shame or guilt about things. Um, but our bodies still react in that way, and and that is the shared the shared funniness of it all. I think is that we all sort of can put ourselves in those shoes, and some situations are just objectively hilarious. Yeah. Not while you're in them, probably, but maybe so. I don't know. That's when you're not dealing with it healthfully, and I do yeah. that, too. I, I made a lot of, I've made so many dead parents jokes <laughs> the past couple of years, and my friends will just look at me like, I can't believe she just said that. But some of them laugh, and that encourages me. <laughs> but eventually I was like, oh, I, I, that probably made somebody uncomfortable when I said that. So it's also learning to read the fucking room, <laughs> which is... <laughs> If I'm if I'm not uh, actively trying to hurry heal something by making a gross joke, then I am very good at reading the room. But you can tell if I make a joke and it it's not like it goes over like that, then and and I'm talking about something personal, then I'm trying to make it funny to myself usually. Yeah, and it takes time sometimes. It does. <laughs> Because you can't laugh at everything. You really do got to cry. You can't You can't cover every emotion with laughter, uh, even though I really wish I could. Maybe work on that. See how you can make that happen. <laughs> Boo. No, I'm kidding. I'm going to bury my head in the sand and laugh at everything and be cynical. No. <laughs> no, I, I laugh and I cry. I like to cry in, in private, though. <laughs> We were just talking about this the yeah. other day. I am a, uh, I, I'm very, I don't know. I don't know how I come across to people all the time, but I, I like to think that I come across pretty like open. Um, but I do not like to cry in front of people. And that's because I always had to be tough. Well, yeah. I still, I still don't like it. I don't like to be vulnerable and it's that safety thing. 
Um, and it's all masculine. Yeah. You oh, soft like I, a bring in the feminine. I am all in my masculine side note. So I'm going to, I'm going to say this. Nope, I'm not. I lost it. (laughs) I I just, I start thinking about the year 2022 and I'm like, no, I'm not going to say that. Never mind. I don't want that to be, (laughs) I don't want that to be misconstrued. Never mind. That would, that would have been bad. But uh, yeah, heavily in my masculine, my, what here? So my dad swore my entire life that I was gay. Like even like up until the last time that I saw him, he's like, you know, it's okay. He was even, I have a lot, which to be fair, um, I have a lot of gay friends, uh, a lot of gay friends. I just, those are just my friends. I don't, I don't know why, but, um, you, that my brain is like, if I have almost like all my friends are gay, like then I would have already told you, like I'd feel open because I'm obviously like open to whatever. But no, it's not that simple. I'm just terrified of vulnerability. So I'm very masculine. And when I uh, would find myself in the relationships that I did, I'd find myself um, wanting to be the one that's taking action and doing this and and planning. And and I don't know how to – I didn't – I'm learning now. I didn't know how to take it, someone chasing me. And I don't know that I would necessarily chase because I didn't want anyone to get that close. Um. But that's what I'm working on right now. The f- the feminine, what is it? Masculine and feminine polarity. I don't know the words. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I can come across as very masculine, I guess. My dad, my mom did too. My mom thought I was gay for a while. And I was like, if I was, I would have told you guys. I am just. Guarded. Awkward. I don't know. <laughs> I'm very like like guarded. Ricky Bobby. Me around like males having to be feminine is like Ricky Bobby with that microphone. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. This, this is uncomfortable. I, but I also, it's, it's that receiving, that whole receiving thing. I always had a hard time receiving. I've, I've been good at giving. Receiving makes me uncomfortable. Um, less so these days, PayPal, Jesse Leanne. Yeah. Um, <laughs> imagine uh but no i i'm still working on that one for sure i yeah that's that's where i am on this journey actually trying to be more like i don't know so i was talking to diana about it and i was like what do i do do i just like go somewhere and like look like lost like no like do i just like oh my gosh that's the first part that you have wrong though to be feminine, you don't do anything. You're like, do I need to go somewhere? No. Do I need to look lost? You don't do anything. You just be open and receive. Okay, we'll see. Which to me, it for my journey, it all boiled down to control. Yeah. And I didn't want anybody to think I couldn't take care of myself, that I was out of control. And I wanted to control everyone that I was in a relationship with. And I wanted to leave them before I could get left. Yeah. So it was like, I didn't want to be abandoned. I didn't want to look weak. I didn't want to look like I needed anybody else. And I didn't be tough. Yeah. I didn't want to look vulnerable. Like, so to me, all of those emotions stem from control. 
So I think you're a uh, you're a fixer too, like me. Oh, absolutely. But not anymore. Not so much anymore. So how did how did that go for you? So what what was your light bulb moment when you were like, oh my gosh, um, divorce number three, probably. <laughs> Really? Like, oh my gosh, just, I'm not fixing up in anything else anymore. Well, I realized that I didn't want to be married to a side hustle. Like I can't change anybody else if they don't want to change themselves. Yeah. And I got tired of taking care of everything <sighs> and you just hold on to everything so tight so it doesn't yes. fall apart. And you feel like if you even take one deep breath, the shit's going to blow. And I just got so fucking tired of like I was doing everything that I could possibly do. And it's still falling apart. Like my marriage was falling apart. My business was just so unfulfilling. I didn't want to live where I lived. I hated my house. Like everything just started to like implode because I realized I had held on to it so tightly that like I was crumbling it. And the irony is not lost on me that you were fixing up old furniture. (laughs) You were fixing it up and repainting it, which is something that I also love to do. I'm, I would not be very enterprising with it, but I think, I think that's like, see, that's funny. It's funny. Like you were a fixer upper in life and you made a huge name for yourself, especially around here, fixing up furniture, like, (laughs) or people's houses or literally anything. But And I still feel like, you know, I can do that. And now it's different. Like somebody else had referred it to like, I used to fix furniture and like bring furniture back to life. And now I help bring people back to life. Yes. I think that's a lot more um, needed in 2022. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's in a way it's easier for me, I think, than nice other, uh, everything else, but yeah, we just got real deep real fast for you. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I, uh, I, I've always been really interested in that part of it. And then I, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Total fixer upper. Yeah. But I, I can relate to that for sure. Um, I think for me, it's it's like I never had anything that I that I didn't get on my own. I, I didn't. My, you know, we were we were pretty poor, but my mom, her dad was very wealthy. Um, she met him when I was, I have a little sister too. I think she met her biological father and he became a part of our lives when I was like seven or eight. And that's when, um, I'd say we probably, she was also very prideful. So through the time that we like knew him, she would take us up to spend time with him, but she never accept any money or anything from him. But he would like, I'd go from the trailer park and then I'd go up to like Nashville to my grandpa's house. And he's taken me to like the country club and, and he was uh, heavily involved with like uh, government in Nashville and also had a lot of good friends in the music industry. So we would like go to their houses and I'm like, Oh my God, my entire trailer park could, could fit inside <laughs> this fucking house. Um, and I learned real quick that their kids are fucking assholes. No, I'm kidding. But some of them really are. And <laughs> You'll probably see them on Scoop Nashville, but no, I, my mom was very prideful, never accepted anything from him. But when he passed away, um, that's when we moved out of the hood and we moved into the suburbs. So that was a very stark difference there. But even though, and that's when I'm getting into my teenage years, even though we had that money, my mom was real quick. Like you, you don't have any money. (laughs) 
<laughs> we got yeah. this house. Like, and I, I, even as a kid, like I paid for my own food. I paid for my own school clothes. I paid for everything myself. Um, but I, I understand what she was doing there with that. For me, it's very much like, oh my God, this sounds so sad and ridiculous. <sighs> I get so over myself sometimes, but it's like <laughs> when I have to like dig into those feelings and like find what that underlying cause is, I've, I'll, I'll be so over myself, but the underlying cause is like, I didn't believe that I was worthy for people to buy me things. So I was like, I have to work 10 times as hard to get it for myself so that no one else. But I also did, I was terrified of anything being held over my head. I didn't, I don't, I didn't want, I don't want to say I don't because I'm not embodying that fear anymore, but, uh, I didn't, I, Anything that I had in my life, I did not want anyone to be able to take a single piece of credit for except for me. And that's not how the world works. It takes a village to do anything. And if you want to have anything of, of value that you can hold on to, it's it's best when it's shared. And, and in doing so, I also realized that no one is unworthy of, of receiving. Everyone is worthy of receiving and everyone should should give when they can and they're also worthy of receiving. But yeah, that's my little sad sack story. Oh my God. I realized well, I that I didn't feel like anyone would buy me anything. Oh no. No. I, I had a thought <laughs> while a, a little bit ago when you were like, I don't, I don't even know if you said this, but it came in my mind and you were like, how do you receive or how do you get to where you're open to receive? Maybe you asked the question. Maybe you didn't. I thought about I it. I might have been. <laughs> asking uh because i still am like but it came to me the answer whether you ask the question or not <laughs> so, just pretend that you asked the question um so like the other day when you're like oh so-and-so sent me a venmo and i was gonna send it back and i'm like keep that shit so that's receiving yes you didn't send it back so you're already like halfway yes becoming open, you know, when somebody just sends you money out of the blue, anybody listening to this that is not, that does not have an issue with being in their feminine or receiving is probably like, these bitches are crazy. She wanted to send free money back. I'm like, well, that's what was in our toolbox, lady. If they think we're crazy, yeah. you got different tools in yours. We got screwdrivers over here. But I think a lot of people are probably who are doers and fixers, especially women. You have this like it's not really mothering energy, but it's like you want to take care of other people because no one ever took care of you. Yes. So you you would rather buy somebody else something than have someone give you something, especially have someone give you something that you didn't have to earn, that you didn't have to work for. Yes. Like they're not paying you back for something. It's not your birthday. Like it's literally just like a gift. That is so hard to fucking accept or receive without, so let's say, okay, yes, you receive it. But then it's like in the back of your mind for fucking ever, like, oh, this person sent Venmo'd me a hundred dollars. I need to do something right. to give it back to them. Right. It's like, I need to do something to give this back to them or when they don't, ask what do they want it? from me or the darker yeah. side of me that, that doesn't view money so healthfully is like, why are they sending me this? Are they trying to say that I'm fucking broke or something yeah. Do they like that? I, I need this it. fucking money because I'll send it right back and double it. Yeah. Um, and that's pride. 
exactly prideful i'm working on it um don't don't be like me in that situation it it's a bad one that ooh, pride will get you every time so to lean into your feminine it is a being open to receive that money yes b it's not thinking that you ever have to repay it which is i think the harder part (sighs) than taking the money or the gift or the help or whatever it could be it doesn't have to be money but just receiving help from another human and not being expected to pay it back in any way when you can drop that drop both of those things then you're fully in your feminine and it's not like there are absolutely gold digger energy of people who take and take and take and take but we're on the other side of that where it's so hard to take because we're so used to fucking giving everything that it makes you really uncomfortable to receive it. Like in another life, I wish I could be a fucking gold digger and just like, yes, pay my bills. I wish I'm a dog in a purse, like all the things, but right. If I could, yeah, if it were that easy, it's not though. It's It's not not. that easy. I can't. I'm like any get my, I, I also crime in the family it's like no nothing nothing is a favor everything everything comes at a price oh my god my dad would say everything has a price and i'm like and i remember no, like always hearing growing up like nothing in this life is free yes so but it's like it was before we started using money you know or even just i think it's like if <laughs> I think humans are just wired to believe that you can't get something for nothing. Right. Like there's not that many people who do things just out of the goodness of their heart and literally don't expect anything. So, I mean, I just, I think that is, would be our like natural state, but we're so programmed to be so far away from that, which is what makes it so hard to lean in and Mm -hmm. just, accept and receive so that shit goes deep it, it really does. does i just had like three light bulbs yeah go off in my head when you said <laughs> that but uh, wow I, th- I think it comes down to worthiness too like like i think deep deep down the the thing at the core of that is feeling worthy of it oh yeah um and that i think but for me what i've realized i think it's more act like by forcing myself to not send the money back or by forcing myself to just accept then I then I slowly through those actions start to apply it in my head um so if anyone else would like to give anything (laughs) I need to stop (laughs) (laughs) well I think too another thing that's really helped me with learning how to receive things is um, a lot of people will pray to God or whatever you would like to call the energy that created us. Um, they will pray and ask for help or to help them out of like a financial situation or to help them, you know, pay their bills or to help them raise money for this or that or whatever. Well, God is going to use other people to give you money because how else the hell is he going to do it? If somebody doesn't just give you money for nothing, like, right. He uses other people to help you receive whatever you asked for. Mm-hmm. Cause if you 
believe that the universe is always a yes, whatever you ask for is going to be given in one way or another. But if you're so closed off and you're so blocked, like blocking your blessings, that you can't be open to taking money from someone else because you feel like there's a string attached to that. I mean, God or the universe or whatever is it's trying to send shit to you and you're just fucking blocking it from your trauma that you won't heal. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I get it. Trauma sucks to heal. Um, Yeah. It's not, it's not fun. I, uh, and it's not like you heal it and then it's just healed. It's, it's a constant like checks and balances. You, you might thought you or you might think that you you're like okay I've, I've healed it and i've done this thing and but no that shit will rear it's ugly rear i don't know what the word is rear 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 yeah rear it's ugly head right back at you just when you think that it's it's completely gone um yeah and then you got to deal with it again but but you keep doing that over and over and over again and i it's like a mercury retrograde Oh, there's a quote about a Mercury retrograde that says, is there another one? Yeah. December, December 29th. It comes back around. Um, but there's a quote to that that says, um, God will only send your ex back in to see if you're still stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I usually post that like around Mercury retrograde, but I think it's the same with your trauma because if you think you've healed something, they're going to send something else back in similar, same energy yeah. to be like, okay, did you really heal this? Or is it still like triggering you just a tinge? Is it still like making you have a little itch? So it's just a that happened also. Just stupid <laughs> not. not stupid, but if you, you know, transcended the trauma. Yeah. So. I, uh, that, yeah, that's something similar to that happened with me too. I, I've been working on my relationships with men. That's been a big part of, of what, what we were working on. Well, another thing that led me into the studio is I was, uh, I was, when I wasn't laying in my bed, I was going to find something, some mischief to get into, um, (laughs) some tequila, whatever else, um, I, I wanted, um, and, a, a man, <laughs> but I, you know, I, I was, I was, I, I think I kind of wore like my like worldly experience and everything as a bit of a shield, but I also would, would find a man and, and just want to physically connect with him. And then I'd want to leave. Cause I was like, this is going to satiate like my body's need to feel something. Um, and then I would leave and get out real quick. Uh, it's a roundabout way of explaining that I was a, a fuck girl, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was, I was a fuck boy of a girl. Uh, not, I'm sorry to anyone I might've hurt, but, uh, I, I did not want to connect emotionally. I only wanted to connect physically. Um, which is also, also, also masculine energy. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> It's but all connected. I I had made a regrettable decision on a local holiday, which also would like that was the real moment where I was like, I need to get my life together. I woke up and I like was like, who is that? I don't know who that is. Um, I don't know their name. Let me see if there's anyone in here who knows who this person's name is. But yeah, I don't do that anymore. 
I've been delivered from that too. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for that. Don't thank me. Thank it's, yourself. It's uh it's but that one's hard. I've I've also bitched about it for months. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like my body parts are gonna fall off if I don't do something soon. But uh it really did. I needed to get my head clear because where you were saying the test comes in, I've been tested like two, three times right. here in the past couple months and I passed the test. Exactly. There is no I'm future in your past. I'm proud and, of me because I could have easily failed that test and I kind of wanted to, yeah. but I didn't. There you go. You've leveled up. Level up. Level up. Level up. Level up. <laughs> and as much as I would love to sit here, we could talk all yeah. day, all night long. Um, this is a little longer than I anticipated. So if you're still listening, uh, how long you are the real been? MVP. We're like an hour, 10 minutes. Look at that. Yes. There we go. I didn't even realize. Oh, shit. What time is it? I have a. Uh, yeah, no. So um, we're going to wrap it up. But if you are listening to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or iHeartRadio, you can also see a video of this podcast that we have filmed. It's going to be up on YouTube. And you can also check out the video podcast on Spotify. So um, I'm so grateful to Jesse for being here today, sharing some of her story. Um, do you want to share any social media handles that people can follow you? Yeah. So they are all blank right now. I'm in the processes <laughs> of uh, redoing all of them so that I can start my own podcast and, and get my own stuff out there. But it's Jesse Leanne, um, J-E-S-S-I-L-Y-A-N-N on everything. That's where you can find me. That's yeah. it's just my name. And she is going to have big things to come. So if you listen to this and you like her style, give her a follow and you can say that you knew her when. Um, but if you guys enjoy this episode, please rate it or subscribe and let us know if you would like to have Jesse back on and any other content that you want to hear. And until then, I'll see you guys on the next episode of the Reflections Podcast. Woohoo. Peace out, Girl Scouts. <laughs>